Hey, if you are looking into 2024 and asking yourself, how can I get healthy? How can I change my habits? How can I lose some weight? Or maybe it's the medications that you're taking, but you want to walk into 2024 ready to take charge of your health, then you have to jump into the upcoming Healthy Christian Woman Bootcamp. It starts January 8th to the 12th, and it's going to be five days of a powerful, powerful experience that is going to change the way you look at your health. And it's also going to allow you to walk away with some tangible wins around your weight loss, around your mindset, um, and around how you can use food to heal your body. So go ahead and jump into the bootcamp. Sign up now. It is going to be starting in a few weeks. I don't want you to miss it. If you want to find the link, it will be in the show notes of this episode. Do you believe that God wants you healthy? Then join me, Cersei Blue and Gigi Carter on the Healthy For My Purpose podcast, where we help you realize the relationship between your health and your purpose. We share how eating like Daniel can revolutionize your life. Through discussions and interviews, we challenge you to discover the powerful connection between plant-based nutrition, your body, and your faith. It's time. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Healthy For My Purpose. I'm absolutely excited about this episode. You want to share this with your friends and your family. This topic is going to be on spiritual gifts. I know Gigi and I talk a lot about being healthy for your purpose, but this one is coming around from the other side, really delving into what are my spiritual gifts? What has God um, gifted me with? Where does this align with the things that I'm supposed to be doing here on this planet? It is an awesome conversation with Ben Lenz, and he is gifted in talking about our spiritual gifts. And you're going to love this episode if you've ever been curious about spiritual gifts or how does this apply to my life, you're going to have to listen to this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the amazing Ben Lenz. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy for My Purpose. We have a pivot this episode, but I think it's a pivot that's completely in alignment for what we love to talk about on this show, which is being healthy for your purpose. Today, we are going to be talking with Ben Lenz. He has a wonderful ministry called Navigate Your Gift. Okay, so we're going to be talking about um, the importance of really knowing what your spiritual gifts are and how that plays out into you walking out your call for God. And so we're going to really dive in, learn about what Ben does, um, and we're just excited to talk with him. So let's go ahead and just jump right into the episode. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my gosh. It's my privilege. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm going to just go ahead and jump in because I am so curious and so um excited to learn about this ministry because I've been on a path in this last month of really asking God to help me identify my gifts, but not only that, to help me utilize my gifts. Can you just start with telling us 
you know, what got you in this path about spiritual gifts to even begin with? Just give us the background to this, to the story of, of, of before Navigate and how you actually got there. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I would say it's probably a threefold answer. The first one was I was in a Bible study years ago with a friend and I said, hey, look at our buddy, Andrew. Doesn't he, he just exhibits the gift of wisdom. And my my other friend said, oh, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just a thing that we say we can ask. Uh, scripture says you can ask God for and he'll give us wisdom. Well, okay. What about our buddy over there? He's got, he's definitely got the gift of knowledge. No, that's also not a spiritual gift. That's just something you you gain as you learn and inquire. Okay, what about discernment? Everybody can have that, right? <clears throat> no, discernment's a bit different. And, and so as uh, my dear friend, John, challenged me that day, what is a spiritual gift versus what is something else? That kind of drove me crazy uh, for a few years of my framework was just kind of like, you know, when you mixed Play-Doh together and you can never unseparate that out, um, that's kind of what had happened in my mind and I think is common in our culture is um, any term that you've heard from the Bible, we've called it a gift and we've treated it the same. And so it kind of drove me to do a study where what is actually from the Spirit called a gift and then what are these other things? They're still all in there. They're also wonderful things. So that was kind of part of the, the framework development is realizing, oh my goodness, there's these verses over here and all the language is a permanency. There's something that stays with you the rest of your life. It doesn't change. But I've heard teaching that things of the spirit are like the wind and they can change. And so what about all these things over here? Well, those can change based on if there's a need, if the spirit sees a need. And then there's other things that can kind of come and go based on what the situation may call for or how God's working in a life. So part of that for me was years of just trying to sort out what does God actually say about how we're gifted? Um, the second part of that answer is I was in a role that actually was not a match for my spiritual gift. And I didn't know it at the time. So I grew up in a church culture where um, I was told, hey, to be successful is to grow in your leadership gift and your teaching gift, as if you can just choose those and grow in them. <clears throat> so I worked really hard for years preparing sermons and working on strategy sessions and leading a team and my management skills. And so I did a lot of skill development with leadership and teaching. And um, all the while, there was very little fruit. Uh, my teams were frustrated with some big gaps that I was not providing with some leadership and some teaching. Uh, the preaching was, I'd have some fruit, but it was in another category I'll talk about later, but it wasn't the actual teaching gift of understanding doctrine and explaining it. So some of my journey was just a lot of frustration thinking, I worked so hard on these skills and it's still producing pretty low fruit. People liked me. There were still some positive things. I pulled it off. Um, but but that also pushed me to dig deeper. What is actually spiritual gift and what is not? And um, that also always, always begged the question, am I in a role or am I in a role because it's my gift? Is there a good match there or am I just trying to perform the role? 
Uh, the third part of that answer would be my watching my father. So he was a senior pastor of a church. He started a church, ran the church for a long time. And it was similar where his definition of success was leadership and teaching. So he taught every Sunday and he led the staff. But similar frustrations where the staff was saying there's some there's some gaps there that they could not reconcile. And so upon some some tough conversations from his son, who he didn't really want to hear from at the time, and some wonderful friends saying, um, hey, you know what? We we see a lot of fruit over here. Come to find out all of the, the actual transformational, life-changing fruit was about being a profit gift. What does that mean? Um, is that for today? Is that, do people have that? Is, it, is that, is that an everyday, every, every, it's available to like regular everyday people? Yes. And my father had this spiritual gifting of profit. So when you look back the last 35 years of his ministry, oh my goodness, you can see all the spiritual fruit was around that. And it was similar where he was trying to fulfill these other roles and he pulled it off. People would say he did a good job. Um, but there was there were some big frustrations there. So I I would say part of the journey is just painful to have to look at is your actual spiritual impact fruit in other people's lives? Is that really being measured against your spiritual gift, or is it just trying to pull off a role that just isn't a match in the first place? So that's kind of what got me into it. Wow, that 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 was interesting. Um, and so. So, so let's go a little bit further now. So now you're in this and you're figuring out that, wait a minute, there are some attributes that are personal to us. We have personal gifts. And if we move the flow of our gifts, we'll get more fruit as opposed to, you know, going against it. And before we get into navigate, it brings me to the question of what is the difference between a spiritual gift, a talent, and maybe even a learned skill? Because sometimes those three things can kind of, you know, well, I'm educated in this, but I feel natural in this, but I have a talent in this. What are what are the distinctions with that before we move on to the next part of the story? Oh, excellent question. Um, I would say the the biggest factor we look at in our work is where is their spiritual fruit? And what I mean by that is the spirit of God has characteristics and qualities that come with the spirit of God that are very different than what you and I might come up with on our own, in our own flesh, our own humanity. So in my flesh, in my humanity, I might have um, family conditions or culture conditions that make me super good at something, or I'm really, I've learned how to do something well, or I've, I've had the education piece where I've, I've put in my 10,000 hours and I've mastered a skill but it really doesn't have spiritual fruit around me. It doesn't impact somebody else's life. For example, we know that God is a redeemer and he wants to take broken stories and change them. Well, <clears throat> I might be super good at a sport because I've worked hard for it and it doesn't have any spiritual impact on the people around me. Um, I might have worked really hard at a skill or uh, gone really far in my education and uh, there is still benefits. I, I'm not saying that there's not benefit to those things. Those are wonderful things that God gives us opportunity for. But when you want to be distinct on a spiritual gifting, and I'm primarily going to refer to a Romans 12 passage, it lists seven charisma gifts. Um, those have incredible spiritual impact on somebody's life. 
And um, that's our our biggest distinction is where is where are you doing something that as you interact with the world around you, it's actually bringing a piece of God's heart, God's character, God's integrity, God's desires to that world around you. And I, I would say the primary way he does that is through our giftedness. Um, and, and it's unique. It's specific. He's a master designer. He's brilliant at what he's done. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He has this great intention for your life. So I don't, actually, when people say that it feels limiting to look at a list and say, you have to pinpoint a charisma, I'm like, oh my goodness, no, it's freedom. It's freedom to see, this is what he thought of before I even came to know him, even before I professed faith and trust in him. He had this intention for my life to have this unique way in which I was going to not only express who he is to the world, but also it's my way to relate to him and understand who God is and my unique piece to the mosaic. So I think it's wonderful to do skill development and recognize possibly a, a talent that's been developed or that you're, you know, man, you're really good at this. But if it doesn't bring God's God glory, if it doesn't have a spiritual impact on the world around you, I would actually challenge you to think about, is it, is it worth investing a whole lot into those things? Or could I redirect that attention to say, if you can find your giftedness, if you can find the way that the spirit has actually been in your life and wants to express, um, that's the kingdom stuff. That's the transcendent purpose kind of stuff that we all are actually longing for. And at the end of your life, you can look back and say, um, I actually wish I would have put more gas in that tank, spiritual gift that God gave me and using that for kingdom purposes than, than anything else. That's awesome. This is so incredible. Like I'm so excited about this on, on a variety of levels, not just obviously for our audience, but for me and Cersei personally. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so can you get very specific about some of those spiritual gifts that you're talking about? Can you kind of go through and kind of list some of them out and then just I would probably unpack one or two of them as we, as we go through that. Oh, you bet this you're You've just laid out the carpet for me. I'm like so excited. This is this is my favorite stuff to do. Um, so I won't bore you with the whole structure because I know some people, um, I lose them as soon as I say structure or categories. Um, I will say this, though. Um, the first part of our book, Navigate, is trying to trying to give some distinctions, only just so that it's a little more understandable. Again, if you mix them all together in one big bag, shake it up, it it's like that mixed Play-Doh that it's really hard to separate later. I mean, you should see um, when I talk to certain denominations and I try to bring distinctions that from the Bible, using Bible verses, what I think God's intention was, it's like I'm offending them to their core. It's it's hilarious. But my my desire there is just to self, simply help each of us have clarity so that the clarity can bring more spiritual fruit. So if we put... Um, let's say celibacy or music on the same playing field as prophecy or discernment or leadership or giving, and we treat them all the same. I, number one, I think it doesn't do it justice. Number two, I, th I actually think it dishonors God's design. So our structure really is to separate out what are, and like I said, I focus most on Romans 12, six through eight. That's a charisma gift. I'll go through those briefly. 
Um, but we also try to name, well, well, what about this word? I've heard this word before. Yeah, that's in there. It's something the spirit can enable in your life. Wonderful. Um, what about this thing over here? I, um, my dad had that. And, and I, I want to know, can I have that? Um, we explore all of that. That's the first few chapters just kind of laying out. We also talk about equipping roles in Ephesians 4. We talk about fruit of the spirit. But guess what? I The language about fruit of the spirit is we all have fruit of the spirit. You're not limited to, I only have kindness, but I don't have patience. Like, no, no, all of, all of the fruit of the spirit would be in our lives. So the first part of the book is just distinctions. I, I'll focus on Romans 12 simply because the language that Paul gives us there is you have this Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says the calling and the charisma of God are irrevocable. Okay. Whoa. It tells us this list doesn't change. Um, you have a charisma gift. It's not going to change. God doesn't take it back. Even if you misuse it, even if you use it for your flesh and you're super selfish about it, you still have it the rest of your life. And I would even argue, I think it gives you a preview of heaven. I think it gives us a preview of how we're going to operate in heaven in its full glory with no sin to hinder us or encumber us. Um, but I would, I would think this is God's preview of how his purpose is integrated already in who you are. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to ask for a new one. Sometimes people find the one they have and they want a different one. And I'm, I'm so sorry, but it's, it's up to God. He gave it to you. It's not up to me. Um, but let me look at that list briefly, and then we'll look at one or two. Um, so there's, in Romans 12, 6 through 8, it's prophet, servant, exhorter, teacher, giver, leader, and mercy. And again, um, just know that I almost see it as a matrix. Like we we spend a lot of our work looking at which charisma each person has. But then we explore what ministries have has God put on your heart? What effects of the spirit has God already shown through your life? What manifestations are available to you? Maybe they've already, some of them have already showed up for situations that were needed or a season that it was needed. And so we explore more things with people, but we focus most on that first list simply to help um, clarify. I, I know that you'll wake up tomorrow. You'll still have that charisma God's given you. So if we can help name that for you and help affirm his design in your life, I think that sets the course for your purpose and your mission. So let, maybe I'll bounce it back to you guys for what are you most curious about? If there's one or two of those that you'd like me to speak about, um, what what are you curious to learn about? I could, I could choose one, Gigi, and you could choose one if you yeah. want to do it that way. But um, I've always looked at this list and I think you know, how many of them are there? Because you said one, two, three, four, five, seven of them. And I've always wondered, and before we even I even pick one, is that they're so broad. And with the distinctions of people's personality, when you do get into the one or two, could you just give the diversity of how they show up? You know, because sometimes we have an idea of leadership and we're like, well, that person has to be a pastor or that person. But leadership is so vast and can show up in so many different ways that people don't have to be locked in, even though they're locked into a particular gift, you know, that it has so many metamorphosis of how that gift can actually manifest in me differently than it would manifest in you or Gigi or whatever. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick one that I've always been curious about the gift of mercy, 
what is the gift of mercy and, and, and give us some some examples of how that shows up in various different personalities um, and how would somebody identify that? Well, wait a minute, I have the gift of mercy. I'll pick that one. And then Gigi, which one are you going to choose? <laughs> I'm picking giver. Yeah. Giver. Okay. Giver. Yeah. Awesome. Um, actually, you're going to help me answer that manifestation question because um, they show up in humans in very different ways um and it's a good contrast so th those are great of course all seven are great so you could have picked any two and i would have loved it um yeah so let's start with um i want to start with giver actually because um i think giver is probably the most misunderstood prophets are misunderstood because they're expected to see into the future and predict it and i just think it's almost the last quality on the list of what prophets bring but anyway uh, giver is similar where you think, oh, you're generous. You've given money. Um, you're a giver. You have the spiritual gift of giver. And um, now understanding a bit more of how they work, how they think, how they operate, what drives them. Uh, giving is actually the last thing that they do. And here's what I mean by that. The giver gift is set up, spiritual gift of giver gift is set up to be um wise stewards of anything that has been given in the hands of a faith community. So it could be a local church. It could be a, a nonprofit. It could be some, some efforts that uh, people that express faith in Jesus are trying to do something and they have some resources to their possession. It could be monetary. It could be um, physical. It could be uh, land. It could be anything that you have in your possession. Well, this is what the giver gift does. They ask at least 20 questions. And they evaluate every step of the way. Is this valuable? Is this worthy of any investment for me? It could even just be my time. Is this worth the five minutes for me to look at this? Is it worth me taking out my wallet and paying for this? Is it worth me sharing this with other people? They're always asking their 20 questions around, is this worth it? Is it valuable? And if it has passed the test of all their 20 questions, then they'll give to it and they'll give to it um, very generously. Um, but if not, if at any point they are not convinced that this is worth the investment, um, then they're going to say no. And they'll be frustrating to others because they might be on your um, your elder board or your stewardship team. And they're, they're saying no to a lot of things like great vision and wonderful ideas and heartfelt plans that we lay out before them. And they'll just ask their questions. They'll find a hole in the plan. And they'll shut it down. And so I've learned that they, they're often seen for that side of it because they're so evaluative. But the beauty of this gift, we need their voice in the conversation because when they find something that has long-term fruit, longevity is one of the biggest values of the giver gift. Once they say yes, they're all in and they're going to help convince others of why too. It's a good business plan. It's a good investment. Um, so your giver gifts in our faith communities are going to have um, probably a reputation that they're not an easy sell. They're not easily duped. They're not going to be hustled. Um, when I go with them with like this new idea, hey, we're going to go do this thing or build this thing. I got to be prepared for at least 20 questions. Otherwise, it's just not going to fly. But I've also learned when they say yes, it's, it's a sort of provisional reflection of God that says, uh, you've done your homework, and this is 
this is a good path forward. And now you get the floodgates opened to whatever this is. And so often they'll be the catalyst to rally the troops, to get investors, to call their business friends, business owner friends to say, hey, I'm, I'm a part of this thing. I've said no to 50 other opportunities, but this is the thing that I know will provide long-term fruit and I want you all in and they get it. And so um, if they learn to use their spiritual gift for God's purposes, you actually are a provider and you're reflecting God that way. You're helping provide, not single-handedly, but I would say the majority of how that all that investment and resourcing works in nonprofits and faith communities is probably driven by un, unnamed giver gifts that are set up to help make that happen. And they'll be talking long-term. They'll be talking about, is this building going to be paid off so that our grandkids cannot have to worry about debt mortgages and they're going to be able to focus on the ministry? Are we doing what we can now to make sure that in the generations to come, the spiritual fruit can increase because we're not encumbered by some of those holdbacks? Um, so that's a bit about the giver gift, but there. The question uh, about the giver yeah, is, is the giver solely around, like I see the stewardship piece. Is it, is it primarily around stewardship of finances to fund the kingdom or is there another piece to the giving or is it, is it like they're going to be, is, is, is part of being a giver, um, God giving them resources as well, or how, how does that work? Yeah, great question. So, yes and yes, <clears throat> they're gonna they're probably gonna focus more on a stewardship role, um, but often, and this isn't always the case, but often they've kind of figured out a way to run businesses and start um, new projects. Not a lot, <clears throat> but enough, and they're usually all profitable. They're always usually like pretty well thought through, where they're they're okay. They're taken care of. They have a plan for their retirement and their kids and their grandkids. And they said, usually already like in the works in their early twenties. And when they're figuring out their career, they're thinking that way. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said there, but I also see there's this spiritual component. When you talk about new births, um, let me try to draw this parallel. Let's say somebody is um, seeking faith and they're truly trying to figure out how they trust Christ with their life. Um, once there is a seed planted and it starts to grow, I see the giver gift almost like they have wings and they come in and they protect this new birth, this new spiritual birth and help it grow. Once it's sustainable, once it's going to be able to live on its own, then they can kind of back away a little bit and find the next thing to protect. So they'll do that with resources, with an investment or a, or a new ministry birth or a nonprofit that wants to get off the ground and they'll help it get off the ground. But they'll do that in spiritual senses, too. So I think they're really um, quite brilliant in evangelism spaces because they're probably not the one on stage. They're probably not the one uh, doing the rally cry, but they're the ones looking for, OK, with these new births, how do we protect that and help it grow? And so that's this provider, protector, grower quality that you see in them. They're always thinking long term and they're always thinking, what can I say yes to? that's going to have long-term benefit. And if you can help laser focus them on the spiritual growth of new believers, um, they're in, they're just, it's going to be, they're probably not going to have 20 questions. They'll probably just have a few because it's, it's going to grab their heart. And I think they're going to provide and protect. All right. Ready for mercy. Yeah. 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 Lord of mercy. Okay. 
Mercy Gift. Now, um, Mercy Gift is very focused on compassion and absorbing pain from others. And so in this way, they reflect the heart of Jesus where he would sit with uh, people with very broken stories that did not have answers, that did not have even clarity around their purpose or why things have happened. And before we get to the goals and um, the plans and how we're going to get out of this, Mercy Gift is especially equipped to sit with people in their pain. So nine times out of 10, Mercy Gift has a very physical representation of this. So tears. Um, I don't know if there's a Mercy Gift that I've ever met that has said at some point they were told not to cry so much. And then they started apologizing for crying so much when they're with somebody in pain. And so rule one is if you find out you have mercy gift, you just have to stop apologizing and realize the tears are cleansing, the tears are healing, they're they're a path towards the other person's, uh, it, you legitimize their pain, you're with them in the ashes. Um, you might get to other gifts later. You might get to the exhorter who wants to come along and tell them you can do it. You're going to, you're going to make it. We'll encourage you through this. You might get to a leader gift who lays out a plan. You might come to some of these other amazing people, but initially that pain, that unhealed unaddressed pain is mercy gift at their best. It's like, they're the, they're, it's like they're the, they're the person that will sit with you. Let's say you've like taken a digger and you have some gravel in your arm, let's say, and um, you want it to heal. You put a lot of band-aids on it, but without taking out some of those pieces and properly treating the wound, um, it's just not going to heal correctly. And that's a long process. I wish I could wake up tomorrow and all that's gone and my arm's back to normal. What's well, not? Well, guess what? Mercy does that relationally. They do that spiritually. Um, it's hard to talk about, but there's so many contexts of abuse and trauma where we've all experienced things that mercy just like you turn and, the, and God has provided that person and they don't maybe have a lot of words. They don't have lots of advice. It's their presence. Their number one way to minister is their presence. And so mercy gift has a deep compassion for others, woundedness for their pain and they will sit there as long as needed. And they're not in a rush to move on. They're not in a rush to get out of this thing. Um, and so it's funny because often we'll ask, what do they do for a profession? Many have been in the medical field, either the ER or nursing of some sort. And their hope is that they didn't even realize it when they signed up, but their hope is to be alongside of people in deep pain and simply care for them. And, um, as I said, they do that in so many, they do that relationally, spiritually, uh, but they're uniquely equipped for that. I think one of the mistakes we make as a community, if we don't know somebody has mercy gift, we'll say things like, well, you need to use your words more and you need to get on the plan and work harder and produce more of a product. If I had my way, I'd go into their job descriptions and just say 80% of your day should just be with hurting people and just be with them. You don't have to come out with some strategic plan. You don't have to come out of that with um, all these things that you're going to do. It's they need time with you. I'll find I work with a few mercy gifted people on our staff. I'll find myself in their office and not even realize how I got there. Like, oh, my goodness, I was going through something very and my wounds are fresh. And I'm just sitting in the room in the presence of them listening 
um, understanding. Empathy is such a strong quality for mercy gift. And it ministers to me, it ministers to others. Sometimes I'll leave and say, thanks so much for the time. And they haven't said a word. They have just offered their presence and their compassion and their attention. Attunement is one of the most healing things that mercy gift gives to others. And you leave their presence saying, I actually believe that this person knows what it feels like. And in that way, we know that God also has compassion. He knows what it feels like to be in my shoes. And they'll fit the, the back to the manifest, how it manifests in them. They'll feel it. Uh, Mercy gift will say all the time, it's like a rock in my stomach or my chest. Uh, when someone's sharing their pain or even without words, if I'm around somebody with pain, I just absorb it. I'm like a sponge and it becomes part of me. And so as we work with mercy gift people and we we coach them, I would say 90% of our coaching is about how to find a proper rinse of all this pain so that their, their sponge, their oversaturated sponge doesn't take them out of the game. Um, many stories of mercy gift that say, I was in such an oversaturated environment and I didn't know how to rinse out other people's pain. I didn't differentiate myself. And so all I did was show up the next day. My sponge is already full and here's a new situation. Here's a new pain. And so then they had to take a few years off or just really back away. And so our coaching is to get you back in the game is to help find that rinse cycle. But when they're at their best, they're with people and they're caring for the broken world around them. And they're bringing those, those, th- th- what happens through presence and through intentional care um, and compassion with those that are broken and wounded. Very powerful. So when you speak of spiritual gifts, you know, as we read in Romans, are our spiritual gifts primarily used like in church? Or is this something that we carry around with us in our jobs, in our in our families? Like, where do our gifts show up? And, that, and is it something that is mostly just to edify the church? Or just give me a little insight there. Yeah, great question. Um, I would I would compare it to part of your identity. It's it's part of you. I don't know. Now that I see it, I can't unsee it, and so it. I don't know if you can even live any of your life without unseeing where your spiritual gift has been so integrated in who you are. I don't think it's, even if you're misusing it, even if you're using it for selfish motives or you're, you're trying to build your own kingdom and you have nothing to do with spiritual purposes, still it's there. Um, That's part of the way he has given this gift is he doesn't take it back. He doesn't change it. He doesn't remove it from us. He's, he's entrusted it to us. So there's a, there's a verse that I love. It's in first Peter four ten, as each one's received a special charisma, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God has given us grace to be a good steward of that grace is to employ or to use our charisma. I mean, it couldn't be clearer. It, we've been given a charisma to be a good steward of God's grace in our lives is to employ it. So my hope is that we would equip you to, to see your life differently. It's not, it's one of the, the issues I take up with um, some of the old teaching around. It's just for a moment where you have to be at the church or you have to be in a prayer meeting. And then it's, this happens and this happens. And then we all go home and it stops. 
That's not the, nothing in scripture talks about the spirit that way in our lives. It's a permanent indwelling. Ephesians talks a ton about the seal of the spirit being a promise for what's to come, but it's with us. It doesn't leave us. Uh, even if we grieve the spirit, it doesn't leave us. Even if we mess everything up, which I've done a thousand times in my life, spirit's still with me. He's in it with me. So this, the spirit is available to you at any moment. And so instead of looking at it like these spiritual gifts are just something, a burst of something for a moment, and then it leaves, what if you started to see the spirit is with you 24-7, wanting to have spiritual impact in the world around you? Um, and and truly, you there's there's nothing that's going to stop you. There's nothing that's going to hinder you from having that access. Now, sometimes we break fellowship. Sometimes we affect. Um, I'm really not operating in the spirit, so I don't really, I'm not in step with the spirit. So I'm not clear on how the spirit would like to work through my life today. That That's possible. But I would argue, I don't see the spirit leaving us. And so, yes, your availability to use your charisma is all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's not a long path to get back on track. It's not all this work to um, simply pause and say, God, I've been walking in my flesh. I'm so sorry. Um, would you forgive me? And would you, in this moment, remind me of everything that's true about who you are? Use the spirit to remind me of what's true, how I can engage with this moment, engage with this person. Um, that's, I think that's the extent of grace. It just reaches so far beyond our limitations. And so if you start looking at your gifts are as like, this is something you've worked for and you've mustered up and look at how great you are. Well, then that's as, that's as much as you've got. Good luck. And it's probably, the bottom is going to fall out and it's going to be really hard to face. But if you see it, it's spiritual. It's the spirit of God. Uh, it comes directly from God. It's it's derived from the spirit. It's powered by the spirit. It's for godly purposes in your life. And so it's available 24-7. And our work is to be in step with the spirit. And as the spirit of God directs us and leads us, then we can be more in step with our purpose and the way that our spiritual gifts are going to be used to impact the kingdom. Wow, that is that's that is super powerful. Because I can I can imagine that if you have a spiritual gift, you know, of mercy or giver or whatever, any one of them, and that you are that you know that that you now have discovered that, which is why I'm super excited about your book and the program that you know and the work that you do with others is that once you identify that and know that, not only can you line that up with what you do when you go to church or you're doing service work and ministries or, but also, you know, to Cersei's question, showing up in that space with your your career and your families and how you interact with them and how, you know, once you know that, you know, God's going to give you peace and grace of, of, an, or, 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 you know, have your heart want that and like that because you're operating almost like in flow of what your gifts are on all fronts. And so maybe you could kind of just share a little more about your book. Like, is it available for purchase or, and then how you work with people, you know, around this space of helping them to identify their spiritual gifts. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, our desire is to be a resource for anyone who 
would dare to put their faith and trust in Christ. So we've worked with nonprofits, we've worked with churches. We're experimenting in um, the corporate setting. We don't know how it'll go. I, I'll be honest, we're, that's the least tested um, area because obviously I don't think you can require a training at your work that um, would have spiritual content from a pastor. Um, it's got to be optional, and I know that can be touchy in different places in our country, but our desire is to simply be there. Maybe there's a group that would be interested in learning this framework and desire to uh, implement it in their teams. Um, I think the benefit is your chemistry can get better if you understand each other. Now that I know I work with a profit gift on my staff, I can have a lot more appreciation for why these comments are coming out of left field. Um oh man, they are sensing a message from God and they're doing their best to try to articulate that. I can have a lot more patience for that than if I didn't know that. Um, if somebody's quiet during most meetings, but the tears are flowing and they have a hand on somebody that they've never talked to before and that person starts crying, now I know what's going on. That's mercy gift working. And they didn't even have to exchange words. So I think it could be in any context. I know I'm biased, but I think any team any church community, any leadership team would benefit from having the spiritual gift clarity about how you've been designed, what God's purposes are for those. Um, the book is, it's a read-through book, I suppose, but we don't have it for sale online simply because it really is meant to be more of a workbook. It's meant to be um, simply a guide as we go through the team. So though our team is set up to travel, we could do online, um, but really we want to come alongside existing groups and empower them with clarity around each person's gift. And then the next question, after we go through Navigate, we've spent all these awesome sessions and people get clarity. The next question is, well, then what do I do? How do I use my gift? And so we're halfway through the second book. It's called Use the Gift. We're developing that content. And the, the pilot groups are just fun. Um, we had a gentleman last night. He's in a pilot group. And his question is, he's an exhorter gift. So encourager, um, he he loves connecting with people. He should be with people all day. And we say, what do you do for work? Well, I'm I'm a construction um, estimator. And so I, I, I go to job sites and I, I estimate up to $500 million projects on what they'll need for building costs. They sit behind a computer and crunch numbers all day. And we're seeing the disparity between people, person, bridge builder, connector, encourager, and sitting behind a computer. And crunching numbers all day. So we're, we're saying to him, it's not my role to tell you you should do a job change, but I am encouraging you to take some of these words you're learning about your spiritual gift. Could you have a conversation with your supervisor and say, to get the best out of me, it will be adjusting what I do so that you can include some of these characteristics. You can count on the charisma tomorrow and in 10 years and the day that you die, it will be there. And so if we have that sort of confidence, um, in the work that we do that gives that clarity around your, your charisma, then I think it sets you up for a lifetime of clarity. So all that to say, our desire isn't just, hey, we'll send you a book and you'll read through it. Our desire as a team, we're based out of Green Bay. Our hope is that we could come alongside any group, Bible study group, couples retreats. We've done uh, retreat style. We've done ongoing class style, but we'll shape it around your needs because we really think that it's got long-term benefits of how a team works, the chemistry, the productivity, um, all of those things increase if you get clarity around your gift.
So awesome. we have our website, you know, you can contact us and we'll talk about your contacts and if there's ways we can come alongside you. Um, you know, bare minimum, we could always send books out. Um, but I really, I think it does a disservice. I, I don't want to be another book on the shelf. We we don't want to be a, um, we actually used to do an assessment because people like a pill, not a process, right? So in a 20 minute um, uh, assessment, they can fill out assessment and they get the results what often happens is that we actually lose the benefit of what you learn about yourself in that process. And then it goes on a shelf. So really we want to be a long-term resource for people to find clarity on their gifts and how it's going to work out in their teams. I love the way, um, Ben, that you're moving from navigate the gift to use the gift, because I think that's so important because I think a lot of times we get value and we do a lot on the hunting of the gift and less time on, well, how am I going to use this gift? So I'm glad that you're following up with this, just not about finding your gift, but it's walking in that gift every single day. And so we're so excited about this, Ben, because our ministry is helping people be healthy for their purpose. And you are actually pushing people into their purpose. And so I just love the synergy of what we both are doing for the kingdom of God, because I believe if people are walking in their gift and they're healthy and they're able to live out their gifts, it's just, it's just a, a force for the kingdom. And so I'm excited about your what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about, um, just as we close out, if a church or a community center or um, maybe a Christian company wants you to do this seminar on helping their people find their gifts, where do they find you? Give us a little bit of information on how they can contact you. And if you have any social media handles or just anything like that, let us know now. You bet. You bet. So online, you'll find us at Navigate My Gift. So there's navigatemygift.com. There's also a Facebook page. I would say just um, just know that we are, our desire is to shape around whatever context would be most helpful. So mm -hmm. um, if we had it our way, we would have, I would say, 10 to 12 hours with a group. Um, it's a hard uh, sell at first because, oh man, can I just take an online assessment and can't we just have an hour to, to debrief? Well, you could. Yeah, certainly you could. Um, I think that's why you are where where you are, is there's not clarity around the gifts to use that method. Um, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I took an assessment years ago. I've been through that. Okay, well, tell me about how are you using your gift every day? Well, I'm not really sure what they are. Well, okay, well then, um, would it be worth the investment to say, we're going to spend, even if it's a day and a half, and we get uh, a blitz of going through this together, um, our desire is that every person walks away with clarity on their spiritual charisma gift and very tangible ways to start using that in every context, their home, their faith community, their employer, if there's possibilities there. And so that's what our team's equipped to do. We love the interaction. So we love to be on site. Um, we, we skim through the book, um, but really most of our time is in groups. It's, it's trying to peel apart uh, the things that make you tick, the desires, the drivers that are already within you, that gives us all the evidence of what gift you have. Um, so we kind of go on a search mission to find it with you in group discussions. That's the best way to have, have happen. And the discernment of the group is 
invaluable. You just can't replace that in any other way. So our preference is to come on site with you, uh, figure out a way to get, um, you know, a room full of eight to 12 people. Let's go through this together. Now, we've also worked with churches where we start with the leadership team. They get trained. They bring it to their staff. Their staff gets trained. They're bringing it to the rest of their church. We see some long-term fruit there. But I would say at a bare minimum, just as a starter point, consider having us come alongside whatever team you have, customize it around who you have. And I really think that we could great bring great benefit to whatever context is there. Yeah. So is it over like two days, three days, four days? Like how many days is that? Yeah. 10 to 12 I mean, hours? The absolute best we've seen is when we have 12 to 14 hours with a group and we can spread that around. You know, we could do an overnight somewhere. Um, sometimes we do it local in their context at their at their work or their organization. Um, but man, if we could get get away a couple days, um, you watch how people um, interact at the dinner table and who's helping clean up and who's not helping and what are they talking about all of this is data for our team to help discern where your heart goes where your mind goes where your actions go and that also helps piece together where each person's gift is inevitably someone shows up and says what they want to be and some of our work is unpopular because we just try to put that aside and say no 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 i just want to know what you are i want to know how you operate when you're free that gives us the data to help discern. So I would say, yeah, a 12 to 14 hour block with a team set over a couple of days or a retreat. Um, we have the structure that we can work with you on. Um, but really, our goal is time on the ground with real everyday people. And the clarity out of that is I, I really believe it's life changing and it clarifies their purpose. Wow, that's amazing. And I mean, we can go into a whole nother topic, but this idea of what I want to be and who I am, that's a lot of untangling right there, you know, because I think when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's this idea that you want to pick the one that you like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And we, we weave our way towards the thing rather than inwardly saying, who am I? And then let that direct us to the gift. We pick the gift and we walk towards it. And that sometimes I think is why your ministry is so important to help us get back to the basics of how did God design me and how does that now inform me of my gift rather than me picking a gift and making my way to it with no fruit, as you say, or limited fruit. So thank you so much, Ben. This was amazing. Um, I just love the conversation and I pray that God will expand your territory and bring this, um, this seminar that you have to as many people that will receive it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Healthy for My Purpose podcast. We hope you enjoyed the community and are walking away empowered and encouraged to live your healthiest life for your God-ordained purpose. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram to enjoy fellowship with like-minded women. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Until we meet again, keep honoring your body for your purpose.